Is there anything worse than a dull blade? Well, yeah, lots of things, I guess. Poverty, war, having to move your kids' car seats around, and discovering that half the snacks that your three-year-old has eaten in the last month have now become moldy science projects on the seats and floorboards. Yeah, no bueno. Seriously though, a dull blade is bad. It's unusable. In fact, it's downright dangerous. Knives need sharpening. From Whetstone Boys Ranch in Mountain View, Missouri comes a time to sharpen. A bi-weekly podcast that examines how we can all be better versions of ourselves. Better teachers, better counselors, better parents, better people. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord provides. People of the book like to say this, sometimes without thinking. It's a nice thought to adorn a coffee mug or a t-shirt. Maybe we have a bumper sticker that proclaims it. Nothing wrong with any of this, but there is a danger that its ubiquity strips it of its power. It can become cliché, and as such, something we can take or leave. But when Abraham was suddenly and miraculously relieved from the responsibility of sacrificing his only son, Isaac, he didn't use it in a way that would fit the context of a keychain. He was profoundly grateful for God's deliverance, and it would dramatically shape the rest of his life, as well as generations to come. The same should be true of parents, teachers, and counselors. We must be dutiful and professional and apply best practices, but only God can make the ram emerge from the thicket. Welcome back to A Time to Sharpen. I'm Axel Limita. I'm here with Brandon Maxwell. Hello, Brandon. What's up, Ax? How's it going? (laughs) That's going good. It's going good. I haven't had any lunch yet, but... Me neither. <laughs> is that a thing? It's a thing. Okay. It's like, Some what people is it, eat one, lunch. What is it, 120? 120? Uh, 115. 115. 115. Yeah. We should have uh, found some time for lunch before now, mm. but... It's, it's time for to sharpen, <laughs> it's time. is what it is. It's time to sharpen. It's not time to eat. So it's called That's intermittent the name of the podcast. Fasting. It's not called a time to eat. It's called yeah. a time to sharpen. But we'll we'll take care of that after we after we do this podcast. Um, but that's not uncommon for us to have to work. That's right. Not, not, not that we're unusual. I mean, <laughs> let's not kid ourselves. There are plenty of people that have to take a working lunch or work through lunch, but I will oftentimes push it longer than I, than I should. But yeah, you need some it's for a good cause. Bones, man. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. It's, it's for a good cause. Uh, well, um, it's been a couple weeks since we spoke. We try and do these podcasts on a bi-weekly basis. Uh, sometimes it uh, stretches out to three because of things that we can't anticipate. But look for these podcasts to drop every two weeks and, and check back in with us and, and see what's, uh, what's going on here at the ranch. And hopefully we have something encouraging to say to you about parenting and, and teaching and, and counseling. Uh, and and uh, today we would like to talk to you about some um, two things that have happened here recently. One which we've mentioned on a previous podcast, Night on the Range. Give you a little update about that and how that went, and then another event that we had here called the uh, we call it the Sportsman Classic. Sometimes mm-hmm. we call it the Pheasant Hunt, and uh, both of these things are um, we thought were relevant to parenting and and teaching and 
and counseling because of a verse that, that we were talking about beforehand uh, in Genesis chapter 22 about Abraham being tested by God. And that involves a father and a son, and it involves trusting the Lord. And that just seemed like a perfect combination to us to talk about on a podcast. Yeah, because when we talk about Night on the Range and mm-hmm. and also the pheasant hunt, but just starting with Night on the Range, we had, what, about 250 people here was probably the best count. And, and that was just all guesswork in terms of the prep work, like who would show up? Yeah. How, who, how do we plan for that? It was, know? we've been trying to pull this off for a few years, but COVID and other factors have prevented us from doing so, and we finally were able to do it. So there seems like there was a lot of, a little bit of anxiousness of trying to, you know, maybe too much buildup of, and and not wanting to be let down of like Mm. all, you know, we're expecting all these people and like nobody shows up, but it just, you know, to have, it was really a great event and we had a lot of, um, just a lot of people here that we hadn't met before and a lot of people here that had been a part of the ranch for a number of years and some that had kind of knew knew a little bit about what goes on here but yeah. got a better uh, look at kind of the ins and outs of the ministry. We got to give tours to a lot of people of the house and the schoolroom and where the boys, um, kind of their living quarters and kind of what their situation their setup is and just kind of life on the ranch they got a a, a better look at it and the environment that we operate out of here but but through all that the thing that as it relates back to the verse we're going to talk about is just you know how the lord provides for us and and how god has brought people to whetstone and to this property and to and to be a part of the work here through so many different avenues and ways that we have never even really realized how how many ways God is working yeah. and the the night on the range was really kind of a a little picture of that of just I mean we had people from out of state we had people locally we had people from Springfield and again people we hadn't met before and uh just to uh, to be a part of what's going on and to learn of how God is working through different lives here at the ranch. So it was really neat to... Yeah. And it was centered that. on our uh, our cabin that we built from the trees that fell down during the tornado. And we've, we've named the cabin Ebenezer. And as a testament and a memorial to what God has done and what he's accomplished. And we were <clears throat> using that that metaphor to to drive some of the information that we shared that evening and and trying to let people know how grateful we were for what they've given and trying to get them excited about what the future holds and just relying on God, thanking God for what he's done, but also professing our trust in him as we move forward into the future. And it's a hard thing to do. And uh, the Bible says that God uh, tested Abraham in this passage. And... That's a difficult thing to unwrap theologically. Like, why would God, why does God do that? Why does he, why does he test us? You know, why does he put us in compromising or seemingly uh, compromising situations? Like, why would he have put Abraham in this position? Why would he even ask him to do this in the first place, right? Why does he allow the devil to, to tempt Job? Why did he send the tornado? Why did he, 
allow for this thing to happen to my son, uh, this horrible thing that, that he's now having to deal with the repercussions or the, what I had to deal with mm-hmm. and, and, and how that's impacted my son and our family. And through all of that, in, in our experience, um, the God is God is faithful. And we don't understand why he's doing things, but if we trust him and, and we really hold on to the Jehovah Jireh concept, which is the way that this passage describes God, as in Lord God the provider, which is what Jehovah Jireh means, I think it's the first time it's used in the Bible in Genesis 22, that, that he'll be faithful and he will provide. Yeah, I, every time I read this story, I think about just the timing of it as well. It's just, I mean, I can't imagine what's going through Abraham's mind. And you think, you know, just backing up to him and Sarah and, and the, not even believing years ago that, you know, God said, I'm going to, I'm going to give you this child. And they're like, what? Like I'm a hundred years old. You know, <laughs> Sarah's 90 and they, they kind of laughed. And, and so just the miracle of that child and then now all of a sudden the you know fast forwarding you know god's wanting me to to do this and all the way up until he puts him on the altar and is about to strike him with the dagger it's like wait right and so i think we often just looking at our uh just our our faith walk and and whether it's a ministry we're working or whatever a lot of times we feel like we're just pushed to the absolute brink, and sometimes we are, mm-hmm. and you know, just we have the propensity to to give up, and and our faith falters right when God's about to show up. Yeah, and so I think that's kind and of and this neat. this whole episode is is kind of on the what's underlaying it is the the promise that God is going to bless the world through Abraham, and that his seed, mm. you know, his children will be as as countless as the sands on the shore. And, He's like, wait a minute, I'm, my wife is barren, you know, yeah. that something doesn't add up here, God. And then when he finally comes through and does it, he says, go ahead and sacrifice Isaac. It just blows, yeah. blows your mind. It's right? always counterintuitive. Like, how is he going to fulfill this promise that he's given me when it seems everything in life is, is stacked against me, hmm. right? Which has the effect, in my experience, of, of just driving us to that point of total trust in God and realizing that his will is not going to be accomplished because of my talent, you know, or because of my genius or my resources, it's going to be totally on him. And he just continually has to remind us of that. Mm -hmm. And we got a little reminder of that, I think, with Night on the Range, was, which was that we had to cancel it twice because of COVID, right? I mean, we're trying to work here uh, in this ministry and at Whetstone and plan for this event, and we're not sure how it's going to come through. The pheasant hunt, which we'll kind of in- introduce a little bit here, followed two weeks after the night on the range, and it's our, ma- our main fundraiser. We rely on the, the funds that we received during that, during that time, and because of night on the range, you weren't able to, to really put the time that you usually put into that event. So, yeah, I remember having a conversation with Jeremy just a week out. It's like, you know, we have the pheasant hunt two weeks after the night on the range. And I don't know, I haven't made any phone calls about who's yeah. going to shoot this year. We have a handful of yeah. shooters that kind of do it year in and year so, out. Just a heads up, Jeremy. We, we might not raise but, any money this year. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> so in all your spare time as well as mine, well, let's, you know, yeah. 
come up with some names. So anyways, it was just, yeah, we ended up having, I mean, we just had to transition from that event, clean up and then, and get ready for the pheasant hunt. But it was like one of our, our best years that we've had. We've, People you know, I made some you. phone calls and, yeah. um, you know, I spent a handful of hours making phone calls, but a lot of the ones I called said, yeah, I can do that this year. Uh, whereas it seems like, previous years i'll call 20 people and two will be like yeah i think maybe i'll do that right so it's um but it just ended up we had 20 shooters we had a lot of fathers and sons out there and we ended up um you know raising about thirty eight thousand dollars last count yeah just a little plug here if you want a visual of the event you can go on facebook and instagram we got some good photos up you want to take a look at it so all those things we just say that to to mention that it's always we're always i don't know why we're surprised and maybe we're not surprised but it just god always finds a way uh we always have excuses or there's there's or fear gets in the way and um i know why we're surprised we're We're idiots (laughs) that's that's why yeah we're just pretty dumb sometimes. So, yeah, I mean, God calls us to remember those things. That's obviously why the Ebenezer uh, was yeah. put in place to so we don't forget uh-huh. those things. So it stands as uh, as a story and a testament to be able to to remind ourselves and remind our kids and teach our kids. Um, and I, you know, I I wonder how many times Abraham told that story and and Isaac even. I mean, what was Isaac thinking yeah. when he's just sitting there? You know, you don't really just playing that whole thing out in real time. Like his son gets put on there and Isaac's like, uh, I guess I'm just going to sit here. Yeah. You know, did he try to wrestle? Did he like, he's like, no, dad, like <laughs> wrestle. Interesting. That's his, that's <laughs> well, yeah, that's what his name means. exactly. Yeah. So it just, uh, it's a really interesting picture. Yeah. That whole story. Well, it's funny you should mention that because there's a poem by Emily Dickinson about this event where she imagines the, a future in which Isaac is telling this story to his son. And we're not going to look at that particular poem. We have another one that, that, I, that I found, which I liked even, this is, seems sacrilegious to say, that I liked even better than Emily Dickinson's poem, because you, you're not supposed to like other people's poetry hmm. uh, better than Emily Dickinson's. So so, you go, so great. But in, in this instance, um, her point in that poem is that that God is appears at least sometimes a tyrant and that we have to appease him through obedience. And Isaac appeased his father through obedience, right? He carried the knife and the fire and he didn't rebel. And, and yes, there are times when we need to be obedient and just God can appear that way to us. But the poem ends in a pretty bleak manner and it says something to the effect of with, with, a, masti- with a mastiff, manners uh, will prevail. So it's the idea that we would just have to that's the the, the word uh, appeasement right but the poem that i found that i thought was even more interesting and more to our point was written by wilfred owen who was a world war one poet and he he was in the trenches and he actually died in the war um and wrote very realistically about the horrors of that of the trench warfare and of poison gas and and all that stuff but he wrote a poem called Parable of the Old Man and the Young. Parable of the Old Man and the Young. And I'd like to read uh, a little bit of that poem. Uh, I can paraphrase some of it and, and read the, the end part, which is the most interesting. But he, he basically paraphrases the event and tells the story about um, them climbing up the mountain and of uh, Isaac carrying the wood and of 
Abraham being bewildered and not understanding um, and of building the uh, the altar and of preparing to strap his son down on the altar. And then at the last minute, of course, the a voice um, comes and if it's God's voice or an angel's voice, I think it's God's voice, uh, says, don't lay a hand on the son, right? And then there's a ram in the thicket. And that's where we get our phrase, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide, right? The Lord will provide the ram. But what he does in the poem that's interesting is he says, and I'm going to read it here, um, after God says, don't lay a hand on Isaac, um, he writes, behold, a ram caught in the thicket by its horns, offer the ram of pride instead of him. But the old man would not so, but slew his son and half the seed of Europe one by one. So there's a lot to unpack there, but the basic idea is that we are asked to sacrifice the ram of pride to God. And that's what Abraham did. And as a result, put himself in a position where God could fulfill his promise through him. What he's trying to say is that Europe at that time was not sacrificing its pride. It did not accept that um, alternative. And so instead it sacrificed its son. It went ahead and, and followed through on the sacrifice, which is what we do when we hold arrogantly to our to our pride and to our answers and to our way of doing things, right? Um, like you could have said uh, with the pheasant hunt, hey, Jeremy, I don't, I don't have time, time to do this. We need to, we need to postpone it or mm -hmm. this job is too much, you know, <laughs> take this job and shove it. I mean, you could have, and we've had our moments, right? We're just that we're tempted by that. And, and so instead of doing that, you just move forward in faith and you said, Hey, it's two weeks. God can do that in two weeks. I'm going to do what I can. I'm going to sacrifice my pride in making this event happen and, and going through the normal motions that I go through, uh, and instead just trust that God is going to provide. Yeah, because it's easy to for those for an event like that to shed light on maybe who you are. Like if this is a failure, it's going to come back on me. Well, you oversaw this. You've overseen this event. Uh, again, it comes back to the the pride issue and and how that looks um, on on us particularly, or or we're thinking from a conventional wisdom standpoint. And time and time again, when you look at how God operates, it's absolutely opposite from the conventional wisdom yeah. way of doing things. Right. And it's so, it's, and I think, again, going back to setting up these Ebenezers or, or these things to remember these stories is to remember that God does not work the way that you think he's going to work. Sometimes it might work out the way you think it, it is, but we have to align ourselves and try to align ourselves with God's way of thinking. And, and that's what Abraham did is just, he didn't understand it. He just said, I'm going to go. And he said, here I am. So it's just mm -hmm. like this place of humility. Um, it's like, here I am, Lord, send me. And I, I don't have to understand it. And, you know, there's a thousand things going through my head and a thousand reasons why I want to turn back around and not do this thing. But I think even he was probably thinking, God, I trust God enough that even if he makes me follow through with this thing and I actually have to kill my son, he's big enough to raise my son from the dead mm -hmm. and bring my son back. And he might push me to that point. 
you know, and so just kind of anticipating, I, I really hope he doesn't push me to this point, but yeah. even if he does, I'm still going to trust. Right. And the, and the thing that he couldn't have known was that this is a, is a prefiguration of, of what Jesus is and of God's relationship with Christ and of how that, that sacrifice God deemed necessary to atone for sin and how he was working that out thousands of years in advance to be in a book that would all come together to illustrate this this theological principle that is profoundly illustrated in this example because that's the degree of sacrifice that was required. I mean, you can very easily imagine yourself in Abraham's shoes and God asking you to do something like that and what a dilemma that would be. And then that helps us to understand which... We can't, we can't even understand even a fraction of what it was like for God to do that. Mm-hmm. But the very little that we can understand is so like overwhelming that it makes you appreciate the gift and the promise and, and really lean into the, the mystery uh, even more, right? Yeah. So, Axel, thinking about, again, appealing to parents right now mm-hmm. in that situation where they're at the end of their rope, they maybe can't see a way out or a teacher or anybody else working. Uh, maybe there's, you know, some adoptive parents out there that are really struggling with, with some answers. How does, how does this story tie into like where they're at? How, how can we provide a little bit of hope for folks in that situation based on this? Well, the thing that comes to my mind uh, immediately is a parent Several. This is six or seven years ago, and I, I forget actually which mom it was who said this, but she said to me that one thing that God had, had kind of revealed to her through this process of, of sending her son here and of, of dealing with all of the difficulties that they had to deal with and all of the, the pain and separation and everything, she said that God chose me as to be the parent of this boy, knowing, knowing that he was going to have these problems. Not like I'm the cause of the problems mm-hmm. or uh, why would God put me through this situation and put our family through this situation and put my son. It was like he knew in advance that you were the perfect person to be the mother of this very difficult child. Mm-hmm. And that gave her a lot of peace. Um, and uh, it, it was just stuck with me the way that she said it, and and the, the way that she framed it was, I thought, pretty powerful. And con- thinking about it in relation to this example is, God makes these choices; He's in control, and He He chooses some difficult paths for us at times. Yeah. But it's all with a purpose, and it's all with a plan, and it all ends up uh, glorifying Him, and um, actually, in the end, restoring. Families, yeah. right? Because that's the whole point of the sacrifice of Christ is to bring us back to our Father. Yeah, that's good. One of the things that that I thought of is just the journey that it entails. You mm-hmm. think of just, you know, again, using the analogy of Abraham and Isaac, you know, the journey up the mountain. But I think the proper perspective is something that is, we try to communicate with our parents that... A lot of times they come from other 
facilities and then come to Whetstone, or they'll come from Whetstone and then go to a different facility before they're ready to go home. So it's trying to understand as a parent, like this is not not a quick fix. It's not just come to Whetstone for seven to nine months and then all of a sudden mm-hmm. he's fixed. You know, it is a journey and it is something that is, there's hope in that journey. And mm-hmm. the other part is that there's, uh, you know, there's answers a lot of times. And, and that's obviously what Whetstone does. We have professional people and counselors and structure and can really begin to make some some headway to getting some answers and breaking down some of those barriers. So there's hope in that. And whether it's Whetstone or, or other facilities that do the same things we do, as a parent, just understanding that there's thousands of other parents in your shoes and there are answers. They're not going to be easy answers. The journey's right. not going to be easy. And it's not yep. going to look probably like you think it is. And it might require you to get to the brink of almost... <laughs> Feeling, you know, just using the analogy of getting to the point of having to stab your son um, before God really begins revealing some things. But you, right. you have to, you have to be plugged into the source, the source of Christ through that journey, and He will reveal things, and and just trust that He will provide the people, the resources, and and the things necessary to reconcile what needs to be reconciled. Yeah, uh, a Freddyism comes up. Uh-oh, my dad go. always likes to say, you don't have to like it. <laughs> you don't have to like it. Uh, and it's true, you know. Um, but you do have to trust. You have to have faith. Abraham is, is the father of, of, the, of faith. And I think that that's time and time again what we come away with uh, through, with our, our struggles and our our conflicts with our children or our difficulties in the classroom or trying to get to the heart of trauma and what's caused this behavior is God understands it and, and we don't. And we, yeah. don't, we don't have to like it. Yeah. I know some of my best um, lessons as a teacher have been the ones that I had a plan going in. Someone told me once, you need to plan like it depends on you and pray like it depends on God. And it might be a false dichotomy. You should you should probably plan like it depends on God also. But it was helpful at least for distinguishing, in my mind, the the responsibility I have mm-hmm. as uh, a servant, as someone who has certain gifts and talents to use what I have and to be proactive and to plan, but to go into whatever enterprise I'm going into with with the recognition and awareness that God is ultimately the one who's going to make it successful but the best lesson plans or the lessons are the ones that i had a plan but i i ended up just throwing that plan away because of a comment that a a student made or because of the way the conversation went yeah and came away from that class just being just on a high like that was amazing how how that worked out and and i didn't learn from that lesson oh i shouldn't ever do a lesson plan again that wasn't what I took away from it, right? right? And I, I still was a professional and, and had to do those kind of things. I think the same is true of, of counseling. And I'm not a counselor, but from what I understand of the process, it's it's listening and it's it's taking your cues from who, who it is that you're trying to serve instead of going in and forcing your way on someone and telling them, here are the answers, they have to discover them. Mike Heston, who we've mentioned before yeah. earlier, good friend of the ranch, um, I met with him last week, and he he brought up this idea 
of, of there's a difference between saying, listen to me, and saying, listen to me, hmm. right? Hmm. Listen to what I'm saying to you because it will help you is a lot different than saying, listen to me because I know what's right and you should listen to me because I'm the dad or I'm the teacher or I'm the professional. Uh, I thought it was a really great way of yeah. phrasing that. I don't know that's original to him. He, he quoted someone famous, I think, and referencing it. I'm, He's probably got a few famous yeah. <laughs> authors mulling around his yeah. head there. I think of, in the process, going back to a parent's journey at Whetstone and just kind of how we tend to to react in situations where, again, conventional wisdom kind of takes over. Sometimes we get parents that things they they send their son to Whetstone and things are going really well and the boy goes home on a, a home visit and maybe it's only half the way through their time here of really getting through and graduating through the program and progressing through the program. And a parent will see that, oh man, he's doing so well. He's making so many changes. And uh, a lot of times the the boys will try to play or pray on those uh, feelings of the mom and, and really try to say, well, I'm ready to come home. You know, you guys shouldn't we don't need to spend the rest of the resources on the next, you know, four or five months. And mm-hmm. just again, going back to, to the journey and to not give up, don't cut it short. You know what I mean? It's, um, it's really easy for us to, uh, to see some progress and to see some growth and to not follow through. Right. And so that's, uh, something we see. It's not, it doesn't happen a ton, but it, um, it does happen and the feelings of most parents are there to do that you know and that's where we come in and coach and say hey we kind of say tell them to expect that here's what's going to happen yeah trust trust the process trust the process Mm -hmm. uh, because we've been doing it for a while and um so the system works if you work the system yeah if you work the system axel and his system they work (laughs) So it's the same thing with just just our faith. It's again, Abraham wanted to quit, and he's like, gets to the top of the mountain. Probably is like, look, have I not done enough? You know, we have a. It's easy for us to kind of rationalize things to go our way again. And uh, again, God just he wants all of us and wants us to follow through and uh, we don't i don't think it is true blessing the full measure of his blessing unless we kind of prove that we are faithful through right all the way through yeah well brandon i'd like to continue this conversation for longer but i think it might be time for us to to quit this particular discussion and we're right at about 30 minutes we try and keep these podcasts uh, about that length uh, on average, uh, we know your time's valuable. Uh, people listening out there, we thank you for tuning in. Um, love for you to check in on our website, our social media, and, and stay contacted and be a partner on this journey with us as we seek to to help struggling families. Um, I'm always amazed at how God just kind of provides things for us to talk about because we have a plan when we come in here and we're like, hey, we've got a Bible verse, we got a poem, yeah. But, God's going to work, hopefully, through through us and our experiences to bless um, those of you out there who are struggling with the teenage boy. Don't give up. 
uh, stick with him, uh, it's worth it. Yep, it's worth it. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. And please, we mentioned it before, please contact us, uh, comment, let us know what particular subjects or subject matter maybe you're dealing with right now with your son or daughter that we Mm -hmm. haven't covered and we would love to get your feedback and uh, cover some of those things and also just be on the lookout we have a lot of exciting things going on at whetstone with our 30 by 30 campaign that's coming up we mentioned a little bit but just as we look to grow and again try to position ourselves to what we feel god is leading us to with that growth to serve more families Uh, Stay plugged in. We will fill you in as things progress that way. And so we just appreciate you uh, being part of the audience. Yeah. Yeah. And if you want to, if you want to know what Brandon looks like, uh, there's a tab on our website in the far right hand side called 30 by 30. And we have a video on there and that'll tell you a little more about what 30 by 30 is and see some blueprints and some plans like we've been talking about, about what we, how we envision the future. So we're planning um, but we're, we're trusting that God is going to follow through and, and he might choose you to, to work through yeah. listening right now. You might feel a call or you might feel um, something put on your heart to, to get involved in some way in this, this journey. So saddle up, partner. Saddle up. Join us on the journey. Axel, this was supposed to be serious one and you threw in a dumb and dumber quote. I had we to just can't help, I can't, can't help ourselves. can't help ourselves. All right. All right. Well, we'll we'll see you guys. Uh, talk to you in about two weeks. All right. Thanks for listening. Take care. Whetstone Boys Ranch is a therapeutic boarding school located in the scenic Ozarks of Southern Missouri. It was founded in 2011 to serve families from around the country who are struggling with challenging behaviors from their 12 to 16 year old sons. Our mission is to sharpen the character of young men. Please visit whetstoneboysranch.com if you want to learn more about our program or about how to contact us for help. Thanks for listening, and we hope to catch you next time on A Time to Sharpen.